Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey, Jody. So I was listening to somebody's podcast or YouTube show the other day, and I only listened to politics. And I can't remember who it was, but they were saying there's absolutely no point in preparing for these kind of shows because the world changes overnight anyway, and you're going to dump everything. So even though we try not to focus too much on the COVID issue, this story with the Chinese virologist, which I assume you guys have seen or read a little bit about, is calling it a bombshell is totally understating it. So what I had seen is the six minute clip on Tucker Carlson, where this doctor basically says she has absolute proof that the virus had to have been engineered on purpose, could not have arisen naturally, and was disseminated on purpose. And if that's not a bombshell, um, and that's almost a pun, I don't know what a bombshell is. So assuming we've all heard about it, we'll hear your reactions to it. And what does that actually mean for our country if we were really attacked by that? Jody, you can go first. Yeah, so we watched it last night when it aired on Tucker, my husband and I, and I gotta tell you, it, this, it's fairly chilling. And I'm, I'm afraid for this woman, but it, and it, one of the, I think the best parts of that clip and that interview really was, and I think Tucker, I don't know how he worded it, but something along the lines of, at least these questions deserve being asked. The conversation is warranted. And, you know, maybe we don't want to go and say everything she says is true, but certainly it's worth having the open debate and discussion and not having the debate and discussion shut down and automatically saying that she's lying, pseudos, all the, all the name calling that is undoubtedly going to come her way from the uh, scientific world who really aims to shut down her conversation. Um, really, it is a conversation that deserves scientific um, uh, discussion. That Has anybody else talked about it besides Tucker, the mainstream? Does anybody listen to mainstream news here? Well, you know, I, I Googled this morning to see what the mainstream, what was, you know, out there in media world. I Googled the first thing this morning to see what they were saying about the peace treaty. That didn't come up and neither did the Tucker thing. It's, I don't know what they're saying, but it certainly didn't make um, headlines in any major way to be of any importance on my Google search. Okay. Ed? Well, couple of things. First of all, I don't think that she has, she, that the viral, I don't believe that the doctor that we saw on Tucker claimed to have any direct proof or, or if she claimed it, she didn't offer any direct proof that it was intentionally released rather than accidentally released. Um, but I don't view it as a bombshell at all that this, the claim that, she, that this was a bioengineered weapon. I, I thought that that's what everyone thought. And I know that there's the story about the, the bat, you know, the bat story that Tucker alluded to last night. And we've all heard that some bat in Wuhan was able to spread it. I always thought that that was nonsense. I never thought that that was serious. I've always thought that this was something that was engineered as a bioterror weapon. Um, I don't know that I, not only do I not know, I, I've never believed that it was intentionally released because if it were intentionally released, I find it a little hard to believe that they would intentionally release it to their own people and have it brought to the America, to the United States by Chinese nationals rather than putting the, the virus into whatever jar or, or whatever tra transportation vehicle they wanted and releasing it here as opposed to in Wuhan. Um, we don't know the facts on that, so I'm, I'm not saying that as a definitive thought, but that's what I've always thought. I've always thought that it was, that the most reasonable explanation was that this was a bioweapon that they were developing in a lab in, in Wuhan, 
and it accidentally got out. So, um, and I didn't think that that was tinfoil hat. I, you know, I, I'm not a big mainstream media follower, but I don't think that I'm the only person who thinks that. I think I've heard that in other places. So, okay. First of all, Jody, my recollection is that she told Tucker it was purposely disseminated. Is that how you remember it? Yes, this is exactly how I remember yes. it. But, but because Tucker asked her, do you think this was intentional? And she said, yes, this was intentional. And Tucker asked her, what, uh, why would they do this? And she, she said, ask them. In her response, she said, ask them, we don't always know why the, the evil regime does what the, the evil that they do. Um, she had her research, according to her, her research is uh, around how they know it was genetically modified. That was what I took from her, was that their research was based on, we know that this this is not by nature because we know that it was genetically, we can see that it was genetically modified. Right. Um, but you're right, Ed, when she said she believed it was intentional, I don't know how, why she comes to that conclusion other than they're an evil regime. So ask right. me. Okay, so I say it's a bombshell. A, when it first came out, yes, there were rumors whether it was, you know, if it escaped, from a lab or whether it came from the wet markets. But my impression is we've always heard from all the media pushing it towards the wet market. And it's a natural virus that may have escaped a lab or escaped the wet market. And anybody who said it was purposefully engineered was thought of as tinfoil. Yeah. That's been my impression for the six, seven months. So when you have somebody saying that it's incontrovertibly made on purpose and disseminated on purpose, that makes it much harder to ignore. Now, apparently the mainstream media is gonna keep ignoring it because I'm wondering if we believe that this was purposely released, that is a major attack. And don't you have to react to that? Well, I mean, it was released in China. It was released on their own people. I mean, it doesn't make sense that this was an attack on the United States by releasing a bioweapon on their own people and having their own people travel to the United States. I mean, I just don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, the doctor did say that uh, she thought it was intentional, but she didn't give any explanation other than that they're an evil regime. And I agree with her that she's, they're an evil regime. Um, but in contrast, she said, that she had mapped the genome and it was the equivalent of seeing, uh, I don't remember exactly how she put it, but something along the lines of, uh, you know, a monkey hand on a, on a cow or some other animal. She said, mm -hmm. there's no way it would happen in nature that way. And uh, it could only, the only explanation for the way the genome maps out is that it was uh, modified, that it was modified, the virus's genetic components were modified by uh, a human being. That was an explanation. I mean, I, I don't know what the proof is gonna be. I, hopefully it's gonna be a peer reviewed, uh, she'll have a peer reviewed paper and she'll explain exactly why she comes to that conclusion. Uh, but she didn't offer any similar explanation for why it was intentionally released other than the Chinese Communist Party is an evil regime. And- Well, Ed, I, Ed I'm, I'm a little surprised because to me, the fact that the Chinese Communist Party would kill several hundred thousand of their own to hurt people around the world wouldn't even raise an eyebrow. It's a regime that's killed 70 million of its own. Oh, it's so I, I, I don't, don't have, have any a, problem believing that. It's not that I don't have a problem believing that they would release it on their own people, but I, my, not objection, but what, what doesn't make sense to me is if they intended to hurt the United States with that weapon, there would be much better ways for them to release that, uh, to intentionally release the virus than to release it within their own people. Um, uh, they're not trying to only hurt the United States, yeah. the rest of the world. For the world. They got Israel in a lockdown on the high holidays. I mean, they've paralyzed a good part of the planet. 
So, and even if it just is a test run, I can think of many reasons they'd want to do it. Is this, you know, just to show Trump who's really in charge? So I don't have a problem believing that they would do it. And I just wonder, um, Trump, now we're right pre-election, but is Trump going to feel like we really need to answer this somehow? I mean, what if it were conclusively proven that another country attacked us with a bioweapon? Do we do nothing? And what do we do? Now, I guess I Biden would take nothing. money from what? I'm sorry, I spoke over you. I assume Biden would just take a little bit more money from them, but I just find this pretty damn serious. Um, if if we were, I don't know how we're going to find proof that it was intentionally released with the intent of it coming to the United States and with the intent of paralyzing the rest of the world. If it did, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a military guy, so I can't say we're going to have a war over that, but knowing Trump and just listening to Trump, you know, I listened to his town hall that he had with George Stephanopoulos last night. And I think that, I think Trump would just respond economically. He might slap more tariffs on them. He might uh, try and ban trade entirely. I don't know if he'd go quite that far, but um, I think that he'd respond with economic warfare more than military warfare, at least initially. Um, But we'll see. I mean, I, to me, I, I need I need a little more proof that it was intentionally released with the intention of paralyzing the Western world. All right, so I'm going to put my tinfoil hat. I don't think the government or the media would ever let that out of the bag, even if it were true. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think there's any way to find out that part. But if they can at least find the... Um, you know, say that the science does show that it was genetically modified, genetically engineered, and we don't ever, we never have, you know, what was the intent? Was it accidental? What was it purposeful? What do we do with that information? So we know it was genetically modified, uh, even if it slipped out. I mean, how do you respond? So I just, I don't think. And then add in, add in the cover up in the beginning. Okay, oops. It slipped out, and then we're gonna, you know, do all these things to flag you that that's not really what happened. It was, well, it was just from a wet market. Let me let me say this. I mean, again, I'll I'll repeat that I'm not a military guy. I haven't served in the military, uh, despite that I I respect the military. I'm not saying this to, in any kind of an attack, but I would be beyond stunned. I think it would be uh, malpractice on the part of our military leaders if we didn't have our own bioweapons program. Um, so I don't, if it slipped out accidentally, I don't think that we can get on a high horse and say, oh, how dare you be doing bioweapons research? Because just as a civilian who's not in the military, I would say that we would be, we have to be doing the same thing ourselves uh, if for no other reason than to be able to reverse engineer something that comes down the pike from somebody else. Um, but not just for that part, not just for reverse engineering. You can't, you can't not develop weapons. You can't leave one class of weapons solely in the hands of the enemy. And so I'd be sure not doing mm-hmm. that. Huh? Okay, I want to clarify. Number one, I'm not pro a military retaliation and I think it could be economic. It would just have to be something pretty strong. I definitely agree that we have our own kind of weapons programs. I, I would be shocked if we didn't. I know that after World War One, didn't we have some kind of treaty banning all of this stuff because so much of it had been released during that war. So I just I just think that governments will not let it ever be known that that is what maybe really happened because if it happened things need to get done. And I don't think governments want to do anything. I think they'd rather just shove the whole thing under the carpet. Trump is a little bit, you know, sui generis though. I mean, he's sort of cut from a different cloth and, you know, I'm not sure that he would say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's wrong for a government to, to run these programs. But I think that he, he would, I could see Trump saying that they should have kept it under better control and they should have had better control over their programs and they need to be punished for that. Um, you know, we don't know if he's even going to win re-election in 50 days, but um, if he if he does win re-election and he's the president, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's willing to to try and hold them to account. He he seen he, he at least projects a, a, 
a feeling of really of being really pissed off at what's happened and um he's been blaming china far more than he's blaming the american democrats for shutting down the economy and for shutting down our cities and i don't know how he would back off that if it comes out that in fact this was a bioweapon and it was either released intentionally or negligently okay so basically this is almost parallel to benghazi in the sense that we have to cover up the fact that this may have been an attack against the homeland because otherwise it will help trump get reelected as in benghazi it would have helped Obama lose an election, so they covered it up. So it's all the more reason why the mainstream media would not want there to be a clamoring of people, wait a minute, we do need a strong president right now, because if this is true, we need somebody not bought and paid for by China. So not like the mainstream media has enough reasons to cover things up anyway, but if you look at the whole Benghazi affair, which was only a few months before an election and how much we had to cover that up, um, does Trump have a Susan Rice he can send out on Sunday? Maybe he does, but... Well, I mean, I, I, first of all, I don't think that Trump is the one going to try and cover it up. The mainstream media, yes, I think they, they will try and cover it up. But the election is less than 50 days away. The Chinese government is, I don't want to say that it's, it's indefinite or, you know, it's in perpetuity, but uh, that's going to last a lot longer than 50 days. And the Chinese government is already moving, has already requested, from what I understand, that this, this doctor be deplatformed. I know Facebook has already been putting warning signs up about her her video with uh, Tucker Carlson being uh, false. I've shared it. I'm waiting for some sort of something to come up because I shared it on Facebook. Well, I downloaded it, folks. Oh, good. Yeah, that that's what you got to do. Um, anyway, I just we we need to keep our eyes on this one. The other COVID-related news. Wait, was can I say one oh, more thing? Sure, of course, Jody. No, well, I just so correct me if I'm wrong, but. Let just if if this is uh, genetically modified bioterrorism, or excuse me, bio warfare. Um, aren't we? Aren't our taxpayer dollars going there? I mean, is Dr. there Fauci. any? What's that? Doctor Fauci's office has sent money. Saying, so are we kind of sort of funding bioterrorism that's not under our direct control? Yes. Okay, I just wanted that clarified. Yeah, this. I'm just saying, even if it wasn't intentional, and you tell me as a taxpayer, I'm funding this institution who is creating bio warfare uh, that just met me at my back door, and we don't, as a nation, have any direct, really, lid and control on this, but we are giving them money. That's a really big problem. Yeah, I may stop buying cheap Chinese products myself. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to move to the other COVID-related issue that there's a lot of us on our side of the fence kind of celebrating this Pennsylvania judge's ruling, saying that all the governor's edicts were unconstitutional. I believe that's being appealed. Um, my recollection is that Michigan, a judge decided the exact opposite several weeks ago. Is, is that your recollection, Ed? That's my recollection, yes. So I'm not quite sure why we're celebrating the Pennsylvania judge that much. It's just another in a series of opinions. Well, the Michigan one now is going to the Michigan Supreme Court right now, right? They're hearing it as we speak, I thought. I don't know. I'm, they don't call me and tell me. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Michigan Supreme Court is now seeing that case. And it's got similarities in that uh, the government is claiming, well, you're trying to... Um, sue us for something that we already rescinded. It sounds like Pennsylvania, that's their argument too. Look, we already walked back these um, these rule, rules, at least in part. But, uh, you know, one of the good arguments is this is not about whether or not, this is about whether or not they had the power to do this the way they did it in the first place, not whether or not it's still in order. Ed, the one in Pennsylvania was a federal court, wasn't it? You know, I was just thinking, I, I think it was, I think it was state court. Was it what? No, 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 no. It was a federal court. It was a, a judge, a judge that was appointed by Trump. Right. And the Michigan one, I think, was a state court. 
So is this the first federal ruling on this? Um, I haven't done an inventory of that. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's the first federal ruling, but I don't know. And um, I think there may be a case in Ohio. I'm not sure. So I mean, it's good news, but it's not the end of the game. Well, I mean, whether, whether the governor under the state constitution has power to do something is something that has to be decided according to state law in all, each of the 50 states. Uh, but as far as, uh, you know, the federal constitution coming into play, you know, to me, something can violate rights, but the federal government may not have the power or may not have exercised the power it has to remedy that rights violation. Um, and uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this on some prior shows. I've had some debates about this over the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the federal government's power is limited. And before the 14th Amendment was enacted, before the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were enacted, the federal government's power to, to remedy state-level rights violations was non-existent. The, the federal government had no power to supervise state violations of rights. Uh, the 13th Amendment directly prohibited state laws that allowed slavery. Uh, the 15th Amendment prohibits state laws that uh, restrict voting based on race. And then the 14th Amendment was a more general amendment, which allows the federal government to rein in state level rights abuses. But as I, I think we talked about on last week's show, it, Section 5 of the 14th Amendment specifically empowers Congress. So when private individuals sue and they go into a federal district court, I think that they do have, I think that these actions by the governors are rights violations, but until Congress acts and says, no states, you cannot do X, you cannot have lockdowns, you can't have an indefinite lockdown, you can't shut down churches, whatever, whatever the civil rights violation is, if Congress hasn't spoken to it, I don't think that the federal court's properly have power to do anything over it, uh, which is not meant to diminish the, the rights violation, but, you know, just to, to give, you know, to concretize it a little better, you know, if, if you're, if somebody gets murdered or somebody gets raped or the victim of some other violent crime, that is a rights violation, but there is no federal police power that allows a federal government to punish that rights violation, um, unless it happened on federal property or some other special circumstance exists. So it's not enough to say that you have a rights violation. I think these, these governors and mayors are engaged in widespread rights violations. I think that we're, engaged, we're, we're living through not, maybe not the exact equivalent of Jim Crow. I mean, it's not quite as institutionalized and certainly not as long, but um, it's, it's almost as severe. And um, it's up to Congress to pass a civil rights law and say, these lockdowns are illegal. These lockdowns violate the 14th Amendment. And, and I understand that as long as Nancy Pelosi is running the House, that's not going to happen right now. But that's why we have an election coming up. And the Republicans should be running on that. The Republicans should be running on, we will pass legislation to enforce your rights under the 14th Amendment. Um, so my understanding is whether or not the feds can enforce something to protect your rights that governors will either appeal or back down. I don't see any governor saying, I don't care what a judge says because of your legal reasoning. Um, I'm not sure what your question is. I mean, it, not a question. I'm saying that when a federal court says a governor can't do something, my impression is he's going to see himself as having two choices. Either I appeal it or I back down and give into it. I don't see yes. him saying, only Congress can make me stop. You're, you're right about that. The point that I'm trying to raise is that I think it's a slippery slope. And I think that empowering federal judges to decide whether something is a rights violation or not, when there are no real standards for that, is giving the federal courts basically unlimited power to decide what, what the states can and cannot do. It effectively makes the, the federal judiciary a super legislature over the uh, over the states and you know the you know the example the obvious example is Planned Parenthood versus Casey which is an abortion case from 1992 where the US Supreme Court said that the state state states can regulate abortion 
but they can't impose undue burdens on the right of abortion. Well, what in the world is an undue burden? Yeah. I mean, it just is, it's giving the federal courts unlimited power without standards to decide whether something is okay or not. And, and to me, that's not consistent with a limited government and it's not consistent with the federal republic. Um, it's for our elected officials to, to take action to remedy the state level violations, in my opinion. And slow, and I'm starting to really get what you're, because you've already been saying this, and I've been trying to figure out what the heck, you know, from um, from a use standpoint, what does this mean? I'm starting to get it. I get it. That was very good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the problem is all we're doing is using their power against them, which if we don't, we're even buried deeper. So it's kind of a lose-lose. I I get that, and I've, I think I've made that point on some earlier shows that we can't just surrender and, and say, well, this power is illegitimate and we'll let the left use it, but we'll, we'll not use it because we're principled. Um, I get that, Steve. I think that that's a good point. Uh, but I'm just trying to, you know, for instance, you know, the gay marriage ruling that came out of Kentucky and six other states, you know, Obergefell. Um, again, w where does the federal government get the power to to tell states what they can, you know, what is a rights violation or not. In fact, Congress had spoken on that when it passed the Defense of Marriage Act. So, I mean, unfortunately they didn't defend it properly and they didn't cite the section five of the 14th amendment, but um, that's the proper way it should be done. Congress acts, Congress says that a state law limiting marriage to one man, one woman does not violate civil rights and does not violate the constitution. The courts should have, said under section five of the 14th amendment that was a proper piece of legislation or as the 14th section five says appropriate legislation and the court should have backed off and it should have that should have been the end of the inquiry instead we've got the courts arrogating to themselves the power to decide what is and what is not a rights violation and there are no standards for that it's just whatever the court says so I get what you're saying and that we need to, you know, use whatever weapons we have at our disposal. Um, in a particular instance, I, I would agree with that. And I'm not saying, you know, don't sue these governors in state in federal court. Um, I'm just pointing out that there are some pitfalls to that and there's a potential slippery slope to that. All right, you're not helping my depression today. Thank you, Ed. Uh, somebody, somebody mentioned the uh, Middle East peace agreement. And I know this is not a foreign policy um, directed show in any way whatsoever. But it's hard not to mention, you know, we used to say if Trump would cure cancer, he'd get no credit. What he has done now with Israel, UAE, Bahrain, probably some other countries, I mean, I am an Israeli citizen. This is absolutely mind boggling. Um, the Serbia Kosovo thing is pretty mind boggling. And the reaction on the left is not only don't give him the Nobel Prize, we need to get rid of the entire idea of the Nobel Prize because somebody dared think maybe Trump should win it. We're in serious trouble, folks. We you know, so it's not just that the media is going to bury this story. You know, so when, when, I, when I went searching, when I went searching for information on this, because like I said this morning, I went to go see who's who's talking about this and it was crickets. Finally, I found a washpo and honestly, the, uh, the, the title in the washpo was really, it was about Trump. It was about how he, it was a negative thing about Trump and how he's seizing this. And it really wasn't about um, what just happened. It wasn't about Middle East peace in the headline. It was about, look at how Trump is doing this, you know, negative thing which is not surprising. So not only are they gonna, if they're gonna talk about it, isn't this, isn't this a familiar, isn't this what they were doing with the, um, the, the non-peaceful parts of the riots? They would either not talk about it or when they did find the moment to talk about this violence, uh, it was negative on Trump. They're gonna do the same thing. Either they don't talk about it or when they get themselves to talk about it because they have to, it's gonna be how something bad about Trump. Well, I hesitate to comment because I, I, I want to be optimistic about this and I think it is a good thing and I don't think that it should have not been done, but color me a little skeptical until we go forward. I mean, I, I hope that this is real peace. 
Um, I know that Bahrain and, and uh, Kosovo, uh, they've agreed to uh, trade ambassadors and, and that they're going to recognize Israel. Um, I hope that that's true. I hope that they are sincere about that. Um, I'm just skeptical. I want to, you know, Obama said that we had peace with the Iranians too, and I didn't believe him for a minute. I have a lot more trust in, in Trump, and this process seems a little, a lot better than what the Iran deal was. We're certain, it doesn't look like we're bribing them, although I don't know what's been given under the table. I don't know what military weapons have been promised uh, to protect them from Iran, to entice them to come into this alliance. Um, but more generally, I, I'm just, I, I'm skeptical. I need, you know, I, I need to be shown that the that these Palestinian states, these uh, Arab countries, really are going to drop, you know, drop their desire to destroy, to kill Jews, and uh, try and wipe Israel off the map. So, um, I'm all for peace. I'm all for giving this a try, but, and I'm all for Trump getting a Nobel Prize for it. I think that that's warranted and good. I, I think this is a, an excellent attempt by him, but I, I think. You know, I've heard a lot of people sound, you know, with almost unbounded optimism about this. And I can't say that I have unbounded optimism. I'm I'm very cautious in my head about where, where this is going to go. I'm hopeful, but I'm cautious. So I, I completely agree. And one of the things is, you know, I'm incredibly skeptical about anything like the like this. And I, I'm no foreign policy guru, but but for me, uh, let's be honest. If a Democrat had done this, it would have been hailed as an achievement, right? Now, look, we don't know what the long-term outcome is going to be. We don't know how great it's going to be in a lot of ways, but it's still a great achievement, right, to even move the ball this far so that the media is quiet, that the media um, isn't sounding the, you know, cheers for at least Look, Obamacare was terrible, right? But what, what was the media's words? Well, at least he got it done. At least he did something. At least, you know, he did something that no president has really ever been able to do. And yet, on something like this, you're right. We don't know what the results are going to be. We don't know if it's going to be great. It could ultimately not be what we think. But for gosh sakes, can't the media bring themselves to put their bias down long enough to at least champion and and hooray a good step that's yeah, my um, with it. That's again really i don't want to make it, i don't want to make this a foreign policy show and i'm generally cynical i think overall this is a very good thing i know the israeli right is worried that netanyahu gave up sovereignty in the west bank for this there's going to be a lot of other stuff that comes out but i think the reason i brought it up on a non-foreign policy show is only to illustrate that it wouldn't matter what Trump accomplished. Yes. It, there is not, he literally could cure all yes. cancer. If yes. he has a vaccine for COVID in a day, none of it is going to matter. Mm -hmm. It will never be covered. It will never be praised. And a lot of America still gets this news from the other side, and that's really scary. So that, that's my only point with all this. Agree with all that. And I'll just I'll add as a final thought, you know, Jody said if a Democrat did this, uh, what would the mainstream media be saying? The mainstream media would be saying something different, but I think that people on the right would be saying something different too. I think if, if a Democrat president had done exactly the same thing, people on the right would be saying, well, wait a minute, what do we have to give up to get this? What, is, what do we promise these, uh, these Arab countries or these Muslim countries in order to get them to, to sign on the dotted line? Because as far as I know, Islam hasn't been reformed. Islam still calls for killing the infidel wherever you find them, and in particular, killing Jews where you find them. And you know, I, I just I hope that that we have that this is the beginnings of an Islamic reformation, the way the the Christians, the the Catholic Reformation or the Protestant Reformation swept Europe in in the 1500s. But um, time will tell. You know, let's see. Let's see what happens. Again, I you can't. You know, the, as they say, the plural of anecdote of data isn't uh, plural of anecdote isn't data. But there was an article somewhere I saw this morning, a young woman, I think 20 or so, maybe younger, wrote an article about an internship she did in the UAE embassy in Washington and how stunned she had been at the lack of 
any anti-Semitic feeling whatsoever on the part of the Emirates leadership. So it's not 100% clear that all Arabs are quite as, you know, itbah al-Yahud as we give them credit for, and especially with Iran radicalizing. So, yeah, I'm cynical about the Islamic intentions, but I'm also, I don't necessarily believe that they are more anti-Western than they are afraid of Iran. So I'll just leave it at that. But it could be that not all Arabs really want to kill all Jews and all Americans. Just a possibility. Anyway, um, do we want to talk about cuties? Oh, geez. I haven't seen it, uh, so I've gathered bits and pieces. I've watched the trailer. You've but watched the it. trailer. That's it. Talk about trailer trash. <laughs> that was and, good. Um, it, it's such a hard thing to talk about. And, you know, to a big extent, this is a conservative versus libertarian show. And I have oh, some libertarian concerns with the whole issue. Um, you know, Reason Magazine, who sometimes jumps sharks, kind of published something sort of defending it being out there. I guess my only point that I want to make is all our culture is so far down the tubes that we're even discussing this. Some of us are old enough to at least been told by our parents that putting the word damn in sound the music was considered uh, horrendous. And that we're even talking about little girls twerking. I don't know what that says about our culture. So whether it should legally be stopped, whether I side with crews that the federal government should intervene, um, am I pro-boycotting Netflix? I got no problem boycotting Netflix either way. Um, are the French crazy? Yeah, the French are a little bit <laughs> past us culturally. I just don't know what it says about our culture. Well, let me... Go ahead, Joe. No, you go. Well, a couple thoughts. First of all, you're dealing with minor children who are 11 years old, and you're not just dealing with the eight or 10 that were in the show. I mean, there were, from what I understand, 100 or 200 that tried out. Um, the realm of children is different than the realm of adults. And to me, that's child pornography, that's child abuse. You do not allow children to be exploited that way whether or not their parents say yes or no. Um, it doesn't matter to me if the parents signed a piece of paper saying this is okay, because I think it's not okay. Um, and I know that's not the libertarian position, but the libertarian position is anything that's voluntary is okay. And um, I, I have a problem with that, um, especially when it comes to children. Even taking the children part out just on a broader cultural context, as Steve was alluding to, um, this is a really bad sign um, and, and as he was describing it, I was thinking in my head how analogous it is to drug use and, and drug legalization is a big libertarian versus conservative issue. Um, you know, whether or not drug use should be legal or not, it should be pretty um, uncontroversial to be able to condemn drug use, whether or not you think it should be legal or not. Um, and I think in this case, it certainly should be uncontroversial to say that this level of exploitation of children it should be wrong. Um, even if you're a libertarian, even if you don't believe that government should be intervening in the arts and the expression, you know, free expression. Um, I, you know, for me, the child, the child part is, is paramount, but even without the child part, I just think it, it, you should be able to condemn it. Even if you want to say, well, it should be legal, but I, I disapprove of it. So I have to tell you, um, in defense of libertarians, and I'm much more pro-legalization of drugs than, than I believe you are, and I'm 100,000% against the use of drugs. I think you're a total idiot if you use them. In this case, defending doing this to children, you got to be way, way far off the reservation. My problem is, as a libertarian, where am I going to draw my line and what do I want the government doing it? But 
there's no way in hell that a parent should be able to sign permission for their 11-year-old to do this. That no more than they should be able to sign permission for their 11-year-old to be a straight-up prostitute. So I, any libertarian, if they're defending this because it's only twerking or, and because, you know, the theme of this is nah. to say how bad it is. You know, and I was thinking about that and I don't want to get into too much trouble, but if we made a documentary to show how horrible violent rape is, and we actually portrayed a violent rape, not one that was staged, would anybody defend that? So first of all, the dance part that I saw, and having watched the trailer, it's not like there's just one uncomfortable dance moment. According to the trailer, I mean, the trailer alone, in my opinion, would be a lot of eye candy for a pedophile, just the trailer has enough to be creepy. Um, but uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. You guys can take it off. Okay. I mean, you know, they're blaming this on the right, that the right is once again obsessed with sex and pedophilia. Other than the word disgusting and, and revolting, it's hard for me to describe this at all. Again, you know, I'm stuck in where some of the lines are, but this is clearly 100% disgusting. Zero excuse for this to ever happen. And the idea we're doing is to show that these little girls rebelled against this and wanted to go back home and be good little Muslim girls, which is what I understand the plot is. So what? That doesn't give you an excuse to portray anybody. Now, you know, I happen to be a very anti-Miley Cyrus person. She happens to make me unbelievably sick because the little bit I've watched her evolve from Hannah Montana into just being a full-time twerker. And to me, this is just a further evolution of the Hannah Montana child hero making twerking and all this other stuff. Not to mention, you know, the Cardi B with the WAP songs. Like Ed said, that's adults, but for children, this is so beyond the pale. You know, it's one of the, 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 the distinction between something being illegal and something being approved of and appraised. Those are really, it's almost like uh, nowadays the left says if it's legal, then it is something that we should approve and appraise and, and praise, uh, which as Ed has said, and one of the things I've come to believe is, yeah, I might support legalized drugs, but I don't support drug use. I support legalized guns, but I don't support murder, uh, you know, with the, that, that distinction of just because it's legal uh, doesn't make it good. And it certainly doesn't make something, make it something that we want to promote in our youth. And I get it. The argument and that reason piece was that it's not promoting it, that it is showing how bad it is. Is this really the, the venue to make, to get that message across? It's, it's not, from my understanding, it's it's for mature audiences. So it it just it seems really, really, really uh, not the right way to get that achieve that goal if that really is the goal. Which I have a hard time believing that's really the goal. If just the trailer alone, I found a little uncomfortable. Again, Jody, if we were going to do a film about how horrible addiction was, would anybody entertain the idea? of actually making people into addicts to show how bad addiction is? Of course not. We would portray somebody pretending to be an addict. So this is so beyond outrageous. I can't, again, I, you know, I'm not a big child protective services supporter. I think they're totally out of control. But in a case like this, if you are a parent and you think this is okay, something's got to be done. I'm not 100% sure what. Well, I mean, a couple of thoughts. One, I think, uh, you know, just following up something Jody said, um, I, I think, Stephen, you're you're an exception to the libertarian rule. I think the overwhelming majority, if not almost exclusive, uh, position of libertarians that I've encountered is that they stop at saying something should be legal, and they almost never will condemn the underlying action as bad as wrong or immoral uh, they're all their only focus is on the voluntary nature of it and on whether it should be legal or not um, and you know to me that's a real problem and that really leads into the cultural decay that you've alluded to 
Um, and I also just wanted to comment about something that you brought up a couple of times in the last few minutes. Um, and that's, you know, where you draw the line. And I, I think different people can draw different, you know, the line in different places. And I don't, I think that the search for one line to fit all people in all places at all times with all with the same values, I think that's a mistake. That's a, almost a recipe for, for perpetual warfare and, and, and you know, impose, I don't want to say totalitarianism, but just the, you know, one, one group of people trying to impose their views on another. I think that's, you know, the genius of our federal system is to localize decision-making and allow different views and different lines to be drawn in different places. So um, I don't think that the search for where that line should be drawn is, is a fruitful one. Um, in, in many respects, I think it's actually counterproductive because um, I, I don't think that it's, it's a single line that everybody should have to follow. I think that um, we should be um, explaining and developing what right and wrong is, um, respecting that different people can have slightly different views on where that line should be or where a particular line should be. Um, but I, I, I just sort of resist the where do you draw the line, which is something you keep, you've mentioned more than once. Okay. I think the three of us would agree that this one's outside the line. This one is way over the line. And okay. I, I haven't seen it to make, I haven't seen it. So, but, but what I have seen, I will say absolutely. Okay, so we've never discussed, you know, the idea of bringing in drag queens to talk to five-year-olds and read them books. I'm not sure if everybody agrees that that's over the line, but again, we've been pushing up against this cultural line for a really long time. And that's also affecting little children and parents are giving them permission supposedly to do this. Is that also beyond the pale? Joe, do you want to say something? So I, this, this makes me think, cause you know, I've had my own journey and years ago I would have been, a bit different on this very conversation. I wish we could go back and do an interview with me years ago, but but one of the things that I find is that, you know, I really may want to look and say, look, you know, I don't have any issue with drag queens. I don't have any issue with five-year-olds talking to drag queens necessarily, but I do have an issue with, okay, it's kind of forced upon us. It, it's, it's, it's not just something that is either natural in those people who agree, now it's, well, whether you agree or you disagree, these kids and all these people, they have to have, you know, this talk with these drag queens. It's that part that goes so far over the line. It's people wanting freedom to be who they are. They've, it's no longer you're free to be who you are. It's, and we're going to force ourselves in there. You, I don't care if you disagree. I don't care if you don't want any part of it. I'm going to, force this upon you. And that's where I start to say, now I'm out. Now I'm out. Now I can't just sit back and say, you be free to be you. You be free to act and do and be. It's kind of comes down to what Ed has been saying really is when you start to have that moral decay, it really does impact all of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're I'm not talking calling about what they call right, the, it's moral you decay, made to care. You know, we're forced to allow some of this stuff. So that's the distinction I'm trying to make. I don't, I don't have any issue with people being drag queens. I don't, I don't have a problem with an adult I'm, being I'm pretty much anything that, they want to be. I'm sickened that parents would have their daughters twerking. I, okay. Those are things, but. And by the way, you know, it's the same it issue. Certainly should with, um, be applauded and praised maybe like, okay. Acceptable is one and applause and praise are another. I mean, it's kind of a parallel issue, you know, gender reassignment surgery for minors. Well, I don't know. To me, that's that's even worse than what we're, than what we've been talking about. That's even yeah, worse. Yeah, I agree. Um, but there, the medical profession has come very strongly down on allowing it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the scientific community supports global warming and climate change too. I think that the corruption. Follow the money. Yeah, the corruption thing is pretty deep and pretty wide. Um, you know, I think, you know, Jody, you raised some good points. And I think that, the, you know, another question we need to ask is not just do these drag queens have the right to 
you know, be who they are and express themselves the way they want, do the rest of us have a right to exclude them? And, you know, not just exclude them through private boycott, but through government action. And, you know, the Declaration of Independence talks about, um, you know, people laying, you know, people laying, you know, creating government to secure their happiness and safety and in, in a way that they think that government can achieve their happiness and safety. And uh, I, you know, I, we were just, just, a, you know, my, my last comment, I talked to Stephen about, you know, where, you know, you don't, the look, the attempt to draw a line isn't always fruitful. And, you know, this is a good example. I think that people should be allowed to, to govern themselves in their own communities. And if, if my community decides we don't want drag queens talking to our five-year-olds at the public library, I don't think that that's a violation of the drag queen's rights. Sorry. Um, I, I understand that you are who you are and you want to be able to express who you are, but my community doesn't have to let you in to our community. I, I just don't think that's the way the, the way it work, it should work. I don't think that's the way our system was designed okay, to work. Ed, Ed, excuse me, what about the reverse? If your community thinks it's okay for these 11-year-old girls to be twerking, is that okay with us? Um, what do you mean by okay? I, I, as I said before, I absolutely condemn it. Um, should the federal government intervene and, and stop it? I'm not, should I don't, a, should I don't, a state no. government intervene? If one city decides we're going to form a village somewhere in the state of New York and we're going to teach little girls how to do this, should a state intervene? Or should we say, well, they have a right to their pursuit of happiness? Should it? I mean, again, I'm not going to stand in the shoes of a philosopher king and, and, or, or a would-be dictator, but uh, my personal view is I think it should be banned. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't support it anywhere on any level. Um, would I make a crusade out of it? I'm not sure I would if it were on a local level like that. Um, I would make it a crusade if it were on a state level or certainly at the federal level. Um, but um, I don't know. Ed, this is spoken like a libertarian in my mind. You kind of basically just said what I tend to believe is, here's what I would do. I would support a local ban on this, that, and the other. Uh, but do I want to impose that upon everyone in the United States? No. You go to your states, you, you know, publicly fund what you prioritize, and you ban what you prioritize, and let me group together with people of like mind, and we will publicly fund what we prioritize and ban what we prioritize. Although I don't think banning works. a libertarian? I'm just saying this. That, that sounds like fighting words. You, <laughs> it sounded very- I won't hit a woman, you know, so I don't want to <laughs> fight with you, Jody. Listen, I've got little Emmett here, my little puppy to take you down. You know, uh, one of my arguments with some of the libertarians is no matter what, we all have things that we don't want to live and let live. And if we feel strongly about abortion, then even a libertarian shouldn't be comfortable allowing that to happen. I mean, should I be okay going to sleep at night knowing that hundreds of kids are going to be killed in a womb tomorrow? And if I feel that's murder, what do they well, say? It's not the evil people. It's those who stand by and do, do nothing. So I don't know that we there are that many situations where we can pretend to live and let live. So, you know what, you, that, that very subject is one of the reasons, because I went from liberal to libertarian uh, to conservative, Republican, right? When I was ensconced in the Libertarian Party, that was one of the big issues. They had a, they had a platform that said their platform was pro-choice. And but their tagline is all your freedoms all the time, at least it is here in Illinois, all your freedoms all the time. And I thought, well, you can't pick and choose on subjects and be liberal. It's not libertarian if you as a government force would pick and choose whose freedom to protect. So if you're pro-choice, you've shut out all the pro-life people suggesting that we don't care about your right and your freedom to ban abortion because you think it's murder. We're going to only side with one side. So I draw, since that moment, I draw a very strong distinction between libertarian, the philosophy and libertarian, the party. Libertarian, the party, I find not libertarian very much at all. Because as far as I'm concerned, libertarian, the philosophy would be, 
look, if you want, if you want to ban all these things, just do it in your own backyard. If you want to publicly fund all these things, just do it in your own backyard. We support your right to do that which you'd like to do, just leave everybody else out of it, only with like-minded people. I don't find the Libertarian Party to be that way. I don't think that's a good statement of libertarianism, though. I think most libertarians would just would agree with the party and disagree with your what you just described as libertarian philosophy. Really? I don't know. My my understanding of libertarians is a heck of a lot of them can't stand the party, and they think the party's run by a bunch of nutcases in either direction. There's not a lot of love for the party. Anyway, I'm going to let everybody have a closing statement since we're running out of time. Um, Ed, we didn't start with you, so let's start with you now. Um, we're living. You want, let me ask you, let me interrupt you for a second, because if you want to talk about the post you put up this morning, which had intrigued me, do you want to make a statement out of that about how much we've changed in six months? Um, well, you know, I did put a post up about that. Um, you know, a lot of people took it as a, a political statement. And while I do think that it's, you know, politically we've changed a lot and culturally we've changed a lot. Um, you know, just personally, you know, the way I see the world, the way I'm living, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of probably moving my life. Uh, I've been living in New Jersey um, and I'm probably going to be moving out of New Jersey probably before the end of the year. Um, I think that we're living through some uh, times of great change and the world is changing. You know, you started off the show by saying how things were changing so fast. We couldn't even really plan a show without things being over overturned overnight with that interview on Tucker last night. Um, that, that's kind of how I feel in general. I feel like we're living through a whirlwind. Um, things are changing so fast and so rapidly. Um, you know, what's, you know, six months ago, who in their right mind would have thought defund the police would have been something that yeah, you couldn't even have said it with a straight face uh, in stand-up comedy. And now it's a, it's a full-blown position of a major political party. Um, you know, in a lot of respects, our constitution was not designed to protect us from the level of stress that's being put on it by the opposition party right now. Um, I, I don't even like referring to them in a, as an opposition party because I think that they're an enemy party. They called me, they called us an enemy. Uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi said that we're, we're en you know, the Trump people are enemies of the state. Um, and, and I think that she's an enemy of the state. And I think that uh, it, it's unfortunate that the rhetoric has gotten to that point, but it's not just rhetoric. I think it's reality right now. And, you know, I, I hope that we're not about to see a, a tremendous spike in violence. Um, I hope we're not on the precipice of Civil War II. But um, things are changing and they're changing very rapidly and everybody needs to be prepared and everybody needs to be thinking about, uh, you know, all the long, you know, all of your deepest assumptions about your job, about your home, about where you're living. Um, things can change and they can change fast. So uh, if you're listening, that's, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that. Like I said, I'm, I'm uprooting my life or in the process of trying to uproot my life and, um, you know, Hopefully, you know, hopefully things are going to pass and, and it won't be, uh, you know, hopefully we won't be in a civil war, you know, six or 12 months from now. Um, but hopefully, and hopefully everybody will be able, you know, things will calm down and everybody will be able to get back to their normal lives sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think that everybody should be prepared for, for something worse to happen and just take precautions. Okay, so we're basically sitting on a bunch of tectonic plates. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Jody. Um, I don't have much. Just uh, look, if if Pelosi is going to call um, us the enemy of the state, uh, let's take a very long look at the record of the Democrats in this nation. They're clearly the enemy of the people because they have abysmal record. Uh, as far as, you know, anything uplifting for the people in the United States and certainly in the states and cities that they run. So, okay. that's all I have. I guess I'm going to conclude as a Baltimore run. Um, maybe the hope for this country is going to be Kim Klasik. Woohoo!
because her, her ads are just so uplifting of her and give me such a different way of maybe that side is starting to see something. So I guess She's we'll give fantastic. her a shout out. I don't think she'll notice our shout out, but maybe one day she will. So, okay. So have a wonderful day, everybody. And we will see you back next week. This show will be up on SoundCloud and iTunes, hopefully within an hour or two. Thank you once again for joining us. Good afternoon, Ed. Good afternoon, Jody. Good afternoon, Don't guys. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe, everybody. Bye. Bye.